the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider this very first weekend of March 2024. This week in the interview segment, I feature two amazing men, Craig Joring and Danny Ledger, who are truly doing the Lord's work of caring for the least of our brethren. And this is done through Hope of the Poor, an amazing organization they co-founded in Nebraska with headquarters in Mexico City in Omaha. The motto is alleviating the poverty of being unloved. You will hear them tell absolutely riveting tales of the poorest of the poor whom they try to help in many ways, especially by giving them a sense of their worth and their dignity. Do not miss that after the news segment. And now the news highlight. Sunday, February 25th, Pope Francis and ranking members of the Roman Curia were all on individual private Lenten retreats last week, starting Sunday afternoon, February 18, and ending Friday, February 23rd. Saturday morning, however, the Vatican announced that due to a mild flu condition, as a precautionary measure, Pope Francis canceled the day's audiences. Happily, he had a quick recovery because Sunday he appeared at his study window to greet and pray the Angelus with the faithful in St. Peter's Square. At the Angelus, after reflecting on the day's gospel, the Holy Father lamented the deaths, injuries, destruction, anguish, and tears of the past two years since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, a period, he said, that is becoming terribly long and whose end is not yet in sight. He warned that the war in Ukraine is not only devastating the region of Europe, but unleashing a global wave of fear and hatred. Pope Francis also urged prayers for the people of Palestine and Israel, torn apart by the war there, for the people of the Democratic Republic of Congo, where increasing violence has wreaked havoc on the populace, and for Nigeria, where increasingly frequent abductions are a cause for concern. He also shared his closeness to the Mongolian people, who are suffering from a period of intense cold, leading to serious humanitarian consequences. Monday, February 26th. Again on Monday morning, the Holy See Press Office communicated that due to persistent flu-like symptoms, but no fever, Pope Francis, as a precaution, has canceled his Monday appointments. Now, Sunday, of course, at the Angelus, was the first time in a week that we saw or heard from Pope Francis. We know, as I said, that last week he was on retreat, but we have no details. How did the Pope spend his time? Did someone come in and share thoughts with him or preach to him? Importantly, we do not know if perhaps he was already feeling unwell during the week of spiritual exercises. If indeed he was not 100% all or part of the time, that would be a telling sign. Tuesday, February 27th. The Vatican released a Pope Francis's prayer intention video for March, asking for prayers for the martyrs of our day. He also recalled the story of a widowed man whom he had met when he visited a refugee camp in Lesbos. The man, a Muslim, recounted the harrowing story of how his wife, a Christian, was asked by terrorists to throw a crucifix to the ground. 
She didn't do it, and they slit her throat in front of me. The husband held no grudges, said the Pope, but was focused on his wife's example of love, a love for Christ that led her to accept and to be faithful to the point of death. Francis emphasized that there will always be martyrs among us, a sign we are on the right path. Wednesday, February 28th, before presiding at the general audience in the Paul VI Hall, the Holy Father met with the bishops of the Armenian Catholic Church, highlighting the dire geopolitical situation in Armenia, the importance of collaboration with the country's Orthodox Church, and the need for bishops to be close to their flocks. Still recovering from a cold, Francis's speech was read out loud by Monsignor Filippo Ciampanelli, an official at the Vatican's Secretariat of State. Afterwards, Pope Francis arrived in the Paul VI Hall in his wheelchair for the weekly general audience. He told the faithful, I still have a bit of a cold, which is why I've asked Monsignor Ciampanelli to read today's catechesis. The catechesis series on virtues and vices continued, this week focusing on the sins of envy and vainglory. Francis suggested there are remedies to each, and these involve making ourselves less at the center, embracing weakness, and letting God operate in our lives. After leaving the politics hall, the Pope, in a white Fiat 500 car with tinted windows, was taken to the Gemelli Isola Tiberina Hospital, run by the Frate Bene Fratelli Order. The Holy See Press Office issued a terse statement after the Pope had returned to the Vatican. After the general audience, Pope Francis went to the Gemelli Isola Tiberina Hospital for some diagnostic tests. At the end, he returned to the Vatican. Also Wednesday, the Pope reminded the faithful that Friday, March 1st, will mark the 25th anniversary of the entrance into force of the Convention on the Prohibition of Anti-Personnel Mines, which continue to target civilians, innocent people, particularly children, many years after the end of hostilities. Expressing his closeness to the many victims of these insidious devices, he said they remind us of the dramatic cruelty of wars and the price civilian populations are forced to bear. Also Wednesday, warning against profound injustices existing in our times, Pope Francis sent a video message to the Pan-American Committee of Judges for Social Rights and Franciscan Doctrine in Argentina. He encouraged them in their work to protect the rights of the vulnerable and suffering. Thursday, February 29th, the Vatican released the Pope's schedule for Holy Week. Friday, March 1st, the Holy Father received participants in the conference Vulnerability and Community Between Reception and Inclusion. His speech was read by Monsignor Filippo Ciampanelli. Francis also received, in another audience, participants in the conference Man, Woman, Image of God for an Anthropology of Vocations. Again, Monsignor Ciampanelli read the prepared text, but the Pope explained, I still have a cold and it makes me tired reading for a while. However, in off-the-cuff remarks, Pope Francis underlined the importance of such a meeting between men and women, because today the ugliest danger is the ideology of gender, which cancels out differences. Erasing differences is erasing humanity. 
Francis has condemned gender ideology on numerous occasions, defining it as, quote, ideological colonization, an expression of frustration and resignation, or simply very dangerous. He did so in his speech to the Diplomatic Corps in January. Friday, he once again condemned gender, announcing that he had asked that studies be carried out on this ugly ideology of our time, one that cancels differences and makes everything the same. Man and woman, however, he said, are in a fruitful tension. Well, those are the top news stories, but don't move. Stay here to be riveted by Craig Joring and Danny Ledger, co-founders of Hope of the Poor, as they tell stunning stories of their ministry. EWTN, teaching the truth. I am a Protestant currently who's really read my way here, a large part due to Mother Angelica and programs like yours. Can't even tell you how excited I am to finally have the courage to call. I've been listening to you guys for quite some time, and I get a lot of great information. I just started listening probably like three months ago, and I'm obsessed, and I listen to Mass every morning, too. Hi, I'm Doug Keck. This is an EWTN bookmark brief speaking with Anthony E. Clark, Ph.D., author of Catholicism and Buddhism, The Contrasting Lives and Teachings of Jesus and Buddha by Cascade Books, available through our EWTN religious catalog, EWTNRC.com, for all things Catholic. So why such an attraction for so many people, at least in some sort of a buffet Buddhism, where people pick and choose uh, what they like about it? I know so many people who say, I'm a Buddhist. And what they mean by that is I'm, I'm anything but a Christian. Mm -hmm. And for them, Buddhism is a kind of pluralist, catch-all, be-all uh, nomenclature for I'm part of that safe religion, the religion that's peaceful, the religion that doesn't have the same rules as I'm Christianity. I'm spiritual, but not I'm religion. spiritual. You can be a Buddhist and a seeker. Right. Hopefully people check this book out. Anthony E. Clark, Ph.D., Catholicism and Buddhism. This has been an EW10 Bookmark Brief. Thanks for stopping by. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN is the global Catholic network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, I want to welcome my listeners to another wonderful edition of Vatican Insider. And I say wonderful because I have two very special people here with me today. And I want to introduce you through these people to Hope of the Poor. Now, this is an amazing organization founded in America with headquarters in Mexico City and Omaha, Nebraska, whose motto is alleviating the poverty of being unloved. And if that doesn't get to you, nothing will. Now, my guests are the founders of Hope of the Poor, Craig Joring and Danny Ledger. So welcome to both of you to Vatican Insider. Danny, for the first time, welcome. Thank you so much, Joan. And Craig, welcome Th back. Thank you, Joan. It's great to be here. 
I did speak to Craig uh, last year during a Rome visit, and we had our first look at Hope of the Poor. Danny wasn't in town at the time, but both are in Rome this week, so a special extra welcome to Danny. Now, first of all, I want each of you to talk to my listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, etc. And then eventually we will get into, wow, how did you start Hope of the Poor? So, Craig, yourself. I grew up in Nebraska, and I've been a missionary since college. And for the past 18 years, I've served in Mexico City. I work with the poorest of the poor. I work at the city dump. I work with homeless families. I work with street kids. I help them leave drugs and to leave the street and to come into a place where they can work and be productive and step into a life without drugs and homelessness. Oh, of course. Now, obviously, Mexico City requires a second language. Now, did you learn it when you went down there or had you studied Spanish before? I grew up without thinking that I would ever live internationally, and so I didn't study any languages growing up. I learned Spanish when I moved to Mexico City. Okay, well, good for you. And Danny, tell us a little about yourself. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I have always kind of lived in the Nebraska area and have loved Omaha my whole life. After my wife and I got married in 2009, we moved to a small town in Nebraska to do youth ministry, and I'm a worship leader, so I was doing music, youth ministry, and working in the schools, and and just loved it. In my time doing that, I met Craig, and we started dreaming about what it would be like to evangelize together and to work with the poor and to bring people into a deeper encounter with Christ. So faith at the basis of, of everything that you're that you're telling me. But I did uh, remember Craig telling me last year that you were a great musician. Tell us a little bit about that, how you use it. Well, I've always done music, and you know, I got a little distracted by the music of the secular world, but towards the end of high school, I started really having deep encounters with Jesus in and in the sacraments, and I really had a conversion and wanted to use my music to bring people closer to God. And so I started writing songs and prayers and, and things to help people in that. And so I, I tr- I've always been kind of a Catholic recording artist and worship leader and love using music as a tool to bring people closer to God. Well, it definitely is a ministry of its own for sure. Craig, tell us specifically, or a little more about it, because we just heard from Danny, about how you met the two of you in Omaha. We met through mutual friends, and at that point, I was in a, at a place where I wanted to do more, and, and Danny had this amazing music ministry. I had this ministry of working with street kids, we combined our ministries into what we call wow. Hope of the Poor. Now, the fun thing is not only do we work in our separate mission fields, we come together and we speak in churches, we speak in, in schools, and in as many places as we have time for when I'm back in the U.S. And then, of course, Danny speaks in churches and schools more than a lot more than that. Now, how much of the time of the year, I mean, Danny, are you in Mexico? I just go down strategically as often as I can, and sometimes that's 
you know, a few weeks or yeah. I mean, it could be, it's just different every year. And I love to be down there as much as I can. And, but when I'm not down there, I am working on development for our organization, but mostly I spend my time with the homeless in downtown Omaha, just hanging out with them, learning their names and their stories and drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. as opposed to wine in Italy. Um, working with the homeless, that's that's a word that every person listening to this show and millions of others know because of what's happening in our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like you can't watch a half-hour or hour-long news program without hearing about the homeless. Uh, in many, many cases, the numbers have been going up because of, of migrants coming across the border whether they are being paid to or whether they simply want a better life in America. But once they cross the border, nothing is necessarily guaranteed, starting obviously with with housing. So it's a huge issue. It is a problem here. And if you walk around the Vatican, especially at night, you will see the homeless under the right and left-hand colonnades. They've got their little tents or blankets or whatever they have to keep them warm or helped when there's rain, and you will see them on Via della Conciliazione under the um, archways of some of the Vatican buildings. And obviously we're talking about the Vatican's emphasis on the homeless simply because Pope Francis, from the first day of his papacy, has been uh, promoting help for the helpless and, and the homeless. And those that we see sleeping uh, in or near outside of St. Peter's Square, the colonnades, the adjacent street, and so forth. They're there during the night, and then in the morning when stores and other things open, they are are gone. I honestly don't know where they go. But by the way, one of the big emphasis um, of the Vatican, we know there's kind of your minister of charity, Cardinal Krajewski, obviously Polish cardinal, and um, his entire life is dedicated to, to the poor. The cardinal goes out during the week, uh, I don't know how many nights when he, when he's in Rome. He goes out with a couple of Swiss guards just dressed in, you know, streetwear. I mean, he's dressed as a priest, not as a cardinal, of course. They know where all, where all the homeless are. They know what they need. Years ago, when we had like six weeks of rain, he went to the Vatican Museums. What a brilliant idea. He went to the Vatican Museums and he said, do people ever leave umbrellas here and never come back for them? The Vatican had 400 umbrellas, which the Swiss guards and Cardinal Karajewski got and gave to the homeless. So there's many ways you can do things like that, you know. Craig, with your previous visit and our brief conversation yesterday in in St. Patrick's Church, it sounds like, you know, so much of what you're doing is trying to give each of the individuals that you deal with back their human dignity. Dignity seems to be a word that a lot of people don't understand. That's right, Joan. We really believe the poor are a gift to help lead us to Christ. And I think one of the most important things that we can do is to honor the poor, treat them as human beings, and love and accept them. That's what Danny and I try to model and we try to teach people how to do how to see the poor as not a problem to be solved, but as a gift to lead us to Christ. And as you said yesterday and earlier before we started recording, to try and see the face of Christ 
in their face. And I guess, you know, we all have to be sincere. It's probably easier to see Christ in the face of someone that we know and love or are related to, or they run a store 50 feet from our home or, or a restaurant or something like that. We can see Christ in what's familiar, but what is very different we might have a problem with. And I think sometimes if we just said to ourselves, there but for the grace of God go I, why are these people poor? Why don't they have homes? Did they never ever have money? Did they have a home and lose it? I mean, there's so many questions that, that we have to ask. So, so Danny, this must be heartbreaking and rewarding at the same time to do this kind of work. Heartbreaking in that you have to do it, and yet also rewarding when you see differences, when you see something you've affected a life. It's always a beautiful gift to work with the poor, but it's it's also a challenge. And when you work with the same people like I do with my ministry or Craig does in Mexico, uh, we work with this with people that are drug addicted, that are destitute, and that it's hard to see that poverty as a gift. But there is a gift in in that person, especially. Because that person is a child of God, and they all have their different situations that they've been through, different struggles. There is a reason they're on the street, and it might be safer than wherever they came from, or whatever. There's so many different... I never thought of that. It could be safer than where they came well, from. Well, we, we see that a lot. They'll, they'll leave home because of abuse or something that oh, happened yeah. there, and so they feel safer on the street. And so... In these situations, we we really don't look at their homelessness as a problem that we're going to just solve through some government program or even through our nonprofit. What we do is we try to surround that person with love and acceptance, get them to a safe place, give them unconditional love, and and then we can give them accountability and resources to, to help them get into a new life. But you got to start with just getting them to a safe place. Sure. But, uh, now, Craig, I never thought of it till this I- instant, but do you ever have any of these people say to you, why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? What's your answer when they ask? I tell people that they matter, that their, li- their life is important. You, you mean so much. Jesus died for you. I care for you. I believe that the difference between a person being in a place where they can grow and change and not is having one person to believe in them. I want to be that one person who believes in them and then this this grace can flow through to them. Oh, absolutely. And I think they feel it. When you're with them, it's not like you're with them on Monday, you talk to them, you make them feel good, and they never see you again. Because then they're going to be right back to square one where they started. Nobody really cares for me. So there must be huge changes made in lives. Tell, I would love each of you to tell me one of your favorite stories, your favorite interaction with somebody who ended up uh, actually managing a business or something. Right now I have a lady working with Hope of the Poor. She works for Hope of the Poor full-time. She spends her days reaching out to the 
the homeless around the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City, which is where I work. I reached out to her and her husband for five years and their infant son while they were homeless and drug addicted in front of the Basilica. And for five years, I surrounded them with love and acceptance and kept believing in them, kept telling them that their lives mattered, God had a plan for them, and finally they believed it. And so three years ago, they moved off the street. Wow. And now they're off drugs. And now they spend their days helping other people who are in the same situation they were in to leave the street and to leave drugs. Wow. Well, and now, Danny, you're not there as, as much of the year. You just told us, mm-hmm. you know, as Craig is. But do you have a special story either from Omaha or from Mexico City that you'd like to share? Well, I'll share one from Omaha just because Craig shared one of our favorite stories from Mexico. But just this last year, um, right before Christmas, we had to take a family off the street in in Omaha. And they were on the list for maybe getting housing through some of the government programs, but they weren't going to get it in time because the situation that they were in is they had a baby born prematurely. They were living in their van, and they didn't want to be in the shelter because they couldn't stay together, and they had no other housing options because of uh, just different terrible circumstances that had happened to them. And so they were in this situation where they have this baby, it's in the NICU, and they cannot get their baby, to take their baby home from the hospital when it would be ready to come home unless they had an apartment. Of course. And so Hope of the Poor raised the money, rented them an apartment, and got them in, in just right before Christmas, got them into their own place, got it furnished for them, and then... It was a month later they got to bring home their little baby to oh. their own apartment. And then in the meantime, we're working with this couple to help them get other resources, sure. help the, the husband find a job, and, and working with us and with other organizations. And it's been a struggle, but it's been sure. beautiful to just see like they had no hope, and now they do. I, I just wish for a moment that this was television instead of radio so that my listeners could actually see your faces and the joy, the obvious joy, as, as you tell these stories. Well, that's all the time I have today with Craig Joring and Danny Ledger, co-founders of Hope of the Poor. But absolutely tune in next week to Vatican Insider for more riveting stories about their work with the poorest of the poor in Mexico and in Nebraska and the U.S., changing lives, giving hope for a new future to so many people. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.